Good afternoon or good evening, everyone, and welcome back to another session of Career Talks. I am your host, Orlando Haynes. As always, each and every week, I'm super excited to bring you amazing people uh, to help folks understand their career development, their professionalism, uh, what's going on in the future of work uh, from all facets of uh, different points of view and et cetera. And this week, I, I don't fall short with the talent that I'm bringing on today. I have this amazing individual who I've seen on LinkedIn. I, I might have just came across one of her posts and kind of went into her profile and dug in a little bit to see uh, what she was talking about, because I always wanted to have folks on uh, from higher education, uh, which I've, I had one person so far. But I think in speaking with her, she has me thinking to do uh, kind of a series of folks in this space uh, to bring to the forefront of what students are facing and what they're seeing from their end. So I have Ms. Tomomi Utani, who is a Director of Career Services and Leadership Management for the School of Columbia uh, Social Work. So without further ado, let me bring this amazing woman onto the screen. How are you? Good, how are you, Alinda? Thank you so much for having me today. I'm so excited to join you on this conversation. Yes, yes, I'm super excited. For those folks who don't know, uh, me and Tomomi had a conversation a couple of weeks ago preparing for this, and we could have talked for hours. Um, she just went in on some stuff that, I, you know, I, that's what it made me more intrigued to want to speak with her as to what she's seeing on the higher education side, uh, stuff like what students are expected, what their expectations are, and how those conversations are needing to be had and, and give students a, a more granular and focused look at into their future and the future of work and how to, how to navigate that. But uh, I'll stop there. Uh, I definitely want you to share more about who you are and what you do, and then we'll, we'll dive in. Absolutely. So I've always been interested in careers. You know, when I think about when I was younger, you know, we look at people in, in at their work and they spend half their lifetime working, right? We, we spend half our waking lives working. So if we could find a way where we can actually live our purpose through our work or enjoy it or just find it as a, a way to live the lifestyle or life in general that we want to live, like, wouldn't that be amazing? Um, but the interesting thing is all of us are asked when we're younger, what do you want to be when you grow up? So everyone asks that question. But what doesn't happen is people really don't guide you in that process. Right? <laughs> we're left to our own devices to kind of figure out what's a good fit for us, like what are we good at? Those are conversations that we don't have. Uh, so naturally I, I ended up, I didn't go to grad school right away, but you know, counseling and guidance was always something that I was interested in, especially in the realm of career. I often think about uh, a time in high school when we did a career assessment and I grew up in a very traditional Japanese household and we're not taught to talk about ourselves. And in fact, talking about yourselves was frowned upon. 
So mm -hmm. this idea of like knowing what your strengths are. And I remember on this assessment, it said, you know, what are your skills? Like, what are you good at? It's like, I don't know. I'm not good at anything. I just, I just do good enough. Uh, so what are these, what are these silly questions? Um, I didn't know what I was interested in. I was always interested in artistic things. And I think I always wanted to be in the helping profession in some capacity or do something education related. But beyond that, that was it. Um, I, I think I was mostly interested in the creativity aspect at that time. And so when I got my career assessment back, it said, layout designer. That was the only path I was supposed to pursue. I'm like, there's something wrong with this picture. <laughs> that sounds great. I don't even know if that position exists anymore. Um, but it's just kind of an example of, of what I think a lot of people go through in life, where we're taught to think about or we're told, you know, you should be thinking about your career. And yet again, we're not provided guidance around it. So that was a huge focus of, um, you know, me going back to school where I really wanted to kind of hone in on what is like career education, career development, what is that all about? Um, I had an amazing uh, uh, time at my counseling program. Um, I got to train under counseling psychologists on holistic career development. So really thinking about the whole person, you know, I think traditionally when we think about career education, and this isn't necessarily, you know, true across the board, but we might think, you know, just resume, just job search, but how do we think about a career that's also encompassing ourselves, our identity, and you know what we care about. I currently work at the school of social work, as we mentioned, and you know folks are doing you know purpose-driven work, and the person is very much a part of that professional. And so and that's something that I've always been drawn to, and I'm really fortunate to be able to work at the school of social work, where I basically get to merge um, career services, which is what I love, with social impact work. But just to backtrack a little bit, I've been in this space for about uh, six, seven years now, um, working with graduate students. I've also worked with undergraduate students. And uh, prior to working in higher ed, I also worked in the nonprofit space in, uh, in college and career access work. So things related to career services, career development, access and opportunity to various employment opportunities, that's basically my jam, which is why we, we had such an extensive conversation last time. I couldn't stop talking about it. But again, excited to be here and have this conversation. Awesome. Awesome. Love it. Love it. Love it. So, yeah. So let's let's dive into that. And folks, if, you, if you're watching or catch the replay, feel free to ask questions. And if you watch the replay, tag Tomomi in your question so she can uh, respond to that. But let's let's talk about um, a little bit of what we, we spoke before was what it, what types of conversations are you having now with students who are prepared to graduate or a year or two away? And what are their viewpoints going into the future of work in this current climate right now? I'm going to backtrack a little bit because mm -hmm. I think, you know, when COVID happened, I, I still can't forget like all the feelings and anxieties that came with that. And I think what a lot of students are experiencing now are kind of residual effects of all that. Mm -hmm. um, I think first and foremost, everyone's tired. <laughs> everyone's, I think that, you know, you don't have to be a student to be tired. I think everyone's just really tired, tired of change, tired of disruption things are just really different. And, you know, when we think about education, we think about a stable place for us to learn, a stable and safe and secure place for us to learn. But that completely changed over the last year. So while we might think as a student, you know, you're just going to class and you're doing this and that and the other, like, no, people come in with expectation, like, I'm going to learn in a certain way. I'm going to meet people. I'm going to be in a classroom, have these engaging discussions in person, go out, get to know people on a personal level beyond the classroom. I'm going to have these amazing internships where I really get to hone in uh, on certain skills and like explore different career paths. And that just changed completely. So 
I think you know a lot of it was just adjusting to that and adjusting to the uncertainty and being able to navigate like where do we go from here all all the expectations that one had and excitement one may have had going to school I don't want to say they dissipated but they certainly changed right you had to rethink what you were going to do so at least um, in our space in the social work space uh, you know the one there's certain things that came out of you know the multiple pandemics that um you know can be seen in in a positive light and that's you know the prioritization of mental health and obviously a lot of social workers go into the behavioral health space and so there were actually a lot of opportunities um uh, because people are starting to recognize that mental health is important we all need support uh in those ways at some point in our lives and in fact i always think it takes courage to put yourself in that vulnerable position to get help and so there were actually a lot of opportunities but you know what happened was a lot of things had changed and whether those opportunities existed or not when you're in this kind of shock phase especially for last year's graduates um just because the opportunities were there it didn't make it any easier to apply because you were still kind of adjusting and so a year forward i think folks have learned how to adapt to this new environment and in many ways because of all these changes and the way people have had to pivot i actually think a lot of folks came out with a lot more skills than they even imagined you know being creative being innovative being efficient using technology a lot of our students were learning how to do telehealth or just you know um, providing services um, virtually i mean some may have still had in person experiences but this it just was different from before and so i think right now what's happening is you know well what did i learn from this experience i didn't get the experience that i was looking for my classroom experience was a little different from what i expected and i think it's kind of this like reflection phase right so what did i actually learn and these are conversations that we have regularly like i didn't get the experience i was hoping for and so our conversations kind of around well what did you learn or what did you gain from this experience like you may have learned that you're more entrepreneurial than than you have may have thought maybe you had three gigs going on to supplement the internship that you you know that that wasn't what you were hoping for you're volunteering like we had a number of students who were volunteering um you know to provide counseling uh during covid so the wonderful thing about our community is that they're always like jumping to where the need is and in in that way because there was such a huge need they were finding that there's a lot of opportunities to help and they were figuring out ways to do that and so right now again we're we're basically kind of processing all that's happening like what did you learn what did you gain it's different from what it was so what is that i think the other thing that happened going back to expectations is you may have wanted a certain job mm -hmm. so in our field there's a lot of jobs but some things may have shifted and i think you know for the larger community like some of the jobs that you were aspiring towards may not be there anymore um and so just adjusting to that and um you know i think it was true last year and it's still true this year there may be some opportunities that are just weren't what you were looking for but there's a huge need for it so kind of pivoting how you think about how you want to make a difference i think that's what's happening also so you know now there's these opportunities i want to apply for them mm -hmm. i didn't really train for them how do i think about my transferable skills and that's probably going to be a theme across the board what are my transferable skills i didn't get exactly the experience i wanted or i didn't build the exact skills i wanted to build but there's so many other things that i have done how can i now pivot that and i think in general you know not just uh, at my own institution but when i speak with students i think the biggest challenge is identifying transferable skills hmm. 
uh, and thinking about, okay, so this is, is, an, is an exact match. How can I talk about it in a way that still makes me marketable? A, a third thing I think about a lot is networking. And I mentioned earlier, obviously, the in-person experience is just not the same. Like when you're expecting to engage in person, um, you're expecting a certain kind of experience. And sometimes even among staff members, we, we laugh about, oh, we missed those like random conversations in the hallway. Those right. are oftentimes the things that build relationships between people, not just the work talk, obviously. And so I think missing out on that, it feels like you didn't get a chance to connect with people, but I do know that a lot of folks have taken advantage of you know, opportunities to connect virtually. There have been so many virtual events. I mean, I probably attended uh, more virtual events ever in my entire lifetime in just like, six Absolutely. months and like five years. <laughs> there are so many free events. There are a lot of events where people are talking about a lot of important issues and I just almost wanted to be everywhere. Sometimes I think I, I signed up for like three things. I'm like, I'll get the recording. <laughs> <laughs> um, through that, I mean, and I love Orlando how you mentioned that we kind of connected over LinkedIn. Uh, you know, for the audience, I actually attended a, a workshop or a webinar that Orlando attended. Oh, right. Connected him, and That's so, right. you know, uh, time passed, and then when he reached out, I was like, "Oh, this is so exciting!" Because I wanted to reach out to you as well. And so I think the the fact that most people have gotten used to this virtual space mm. has allowed people to connect more. So for those who have kind of adapted to this new reality, I think they've actually taken full advantage of the fact that you can actually connect with a lot of people on LinkedIn. And that can also lead to opportunities. Um, another thing that we did in our institution, we instituted a mentoring program where we basically connected alumni to students based on their interests. And people were taking full advantage of it. You know, it was on their own time. They just scheduled their own time. What we did was we said, here are the folks who are available, you know, sign up with whoever you want to connect with. These are the steps that, you know, we recommend that you take in order to have an amazing conversation. And, and my sense is that there were more of those kinds of conversations happening than, than not, because I think historically, when we think about networking, informational interviewing, it's intimidating, right? Mm -hmm. Meeting coming up, you don't know what to say. It's going to be in person. You know, what if I'm late? Like, what if what some, something happens? But everything's virtual now. So it's so easy. Click of a button, you make your Zoom meeting, and it's easy. Right. I think there's a lot of like challenges, but there's also a lot of positive positive things that came. And it's really just a matter of like kind of taking the moment to reflect and you know take that in. Again, think about what your accomplishments were. Think about, am I actually taking advantage of these networking opportunities? Because it's so easy now and people are used to it. Um, and I think those are the things that people are thinking about. So I don't think anything in terms of job search has really changed. I think if anything is accelerated the importance of networking right, right. early not not when you're in like an urgent mode um and also this need to really think critically about your career development and understanding that the future is such that things are always going to be changing how are we preparing ourselves mentally for these changes and how are we i know it's like a cliche term now like upskilling how, how are we really building <laughs> skills how are right. we you know, really taking in that lifelong learning mentality to continue to develop ourselves because being status quo is not good enough. And I think that's challenging me because it's like with technology, it's like more, 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 but you do have to be strategic. And I think that's the hard part with all these opportunities. How can you now make the most of every opportunity without overextending yourself, but still making the most of every opportunity that you can get? So you gave me three questions to ask from what you just sure. said. That was, that was phenomenal. One, I'll start backwards. So the upskilling, right? Like you said, it's the catchphrase of the day. Uh, are you saying that upskilling is only um, 
directed to technology where folks will say, okay, hey, maybe you're, you're, you're this kind of skill set. You need to start learning about data analysis. You need to start learning about um, XYZ technologies and things like that. So are you seeing that that upskill is only really centered around upskilling in technology? Um, no, beyond technology. I think okay. being able to use technology mm -hmm. is just a given now. It's, it's you have to. Mm -hmm. You know, there may be some trades where that's not required, but in general, in the way that we're engaging, um, especially if you're kind of like in an office position or something like that, mm -hmm. it's just going to be part of our day to day lives. And if we're not trying to keep up with the technology, we're going to be behind. Right. So you don't have to be in a corporate space to, to need to be up, you know, up on technology. I mentioned earlier, even for our um, community, you know, telehealth is growing. If you want to pursue those opportunities, you have to get used to using different platforms. You know, um, my colleague, my team, we, we always laugh about like, oh, and we were online and we were just talking about it before. Just you're now a TV producer, you know, <laughs> we have to be our own production people now. That's yeah. a thing. And anyone in career services can share that, you know, career services is never just about career services. Like people think of us as like, you know, we're providing career guidance, like that one-on-one -on -one work, we're doing workshops, events, uh, working with employers and, and sharing opportunities. We're more than that. We have to be marketers. We have to be excellent community. We have to be persuaders. Like we're trying to get folks to engage with us. We have to be really good with outreach. Like there's not one thing. All our decisions when we think about programming and just how we engage with students is also based on data. We collect data all the time. Who's coming? You know, what kind of feedback are we getting? How can we change our programs to be more targeted? What are we not doing? What are we missing? Who are we not reaching? I mean, I think data-driven decision making is just it's just kind of how it is, right? right? If we want to be um, if we if we want to be if we want to be client centered, if we want to be ahead of the game, we always have to be thinking about those trends. And I think it's it's it will be a challenge if you're not thinking that way. Got it. We, just can't, we just can't just do what we were doing before. Like even if you're not aspiring for leadership positions, it's just the way we're thinking about things now. Mm -hmm. So I always encourage everyone like just that continuous growing is you know even if you're your profession requires it like you, sh you should still want to do those things to kind of keep up because um you know i'm from the gen x generation and i know like i don't have the same level of tech skills as the younger generation like some so many folks are you know so uh great with like TikTok and ig i'm like that's amazing like i i don't know if i have energy for that. <laughs> but i know that also makes me like a little more expendable because i am not on top of those things and i also do know there's a lot of career centers that are using social media in that way mm. uh, you know that's how they're connecting because if you're not connecting and if not you're in the, using the medium to connect with the people you're trying to connect with you're right. not you're not doing your job anymore right. right so you, you right. have to keep up in all ways valid point valid point so next question would be um has there been any shift in curriculum uh since the pandemic like you, you talked about telehealth you mentioned that twice so has there been a shift of like hey guys we need to start letting students know we need to start learning different platforms to execute these jobs now as they graduate and it's no more of a in-person uh, type role that's phasing out. So was yeah. it, has there been any updates since the start of the pandemic to now where it's like, hey, we need that's to a great question. Yeah. Um, I mean, in terms of the academic side, I think change always just takes time. Um, mm -hmm. But I do know, especially with our deans, like they are thinking about um, uh, tech as a tool for social impact. 
And so, you know, traditionally people, when they think of social workers, they might think, oh, like the caseworker or case manager or the ones who are like on the ground, social workers can do everything really. I mean, they're, they're just focused on solving human problems and social problems. So we can do that in so many ways. So, you know, there's folks who are social workers who are doing like UX design. How can we bring in that design thinking, that, that, that way of thinking that involves a community, not just like, I think this is a great platform, let's make what we think is great, but actually thinking about the user and whoever it's supposed to be serving, you know, these are things that our students are really good at because what, what do they learn how to do? They learn how to assess needs. They understand how people operate on the ground and they bring that understanding into that work. And imagine we did that more when we think about AI or tech or all these innovations that we have. We also need to think about how the evolution of tech is also, you know, really just not creating. There's always been a digital divide, but it's making it worse. Mm. In what ways are we alienating people as a result of tech? And this is a reality that we saw, you know, even in the school system, like not everyone had amazing Wi-Fi. Not everyone had a great computer. They may not have been able to keep up with classes because they didn't have the basic tools. So it affects everybody. And these are things that we have to think about. And the one thing I love about the social work space is those are the things that we think about. Like, how can we always bring that human-centered way of thinking into all these different spaces? So that is something that is being discussed and we have some amazing uh, faculty members who are actually leading work in those areas, like, you know, whether it's AI or, you know, social media and how that impacts uh, health. So those are certainly things that are being considered uh, within the curriculum. Okay, that makes sense. So the other question I have is, have you seen a lot of students uh, change majors <laughs> because it is still like, well, wait a minute now, social work, the job expectation or availability has, has decreased. Have you seen any folks kind of shift to more of a traditional role of business or you know, information technology? Uh, have you seen a decrease in, in that population there? With our students, I mean, they came in specifically to get their master's social work, so their focus still is on social work. But I would say, and I don't think this necessarily was um, specific uh, to what has happened the past year. I think uh, students are actually just more thinking about, well, how can I use the training that I'm getting and using this in all sectors? So I would say it's not so much of a change of like major per se. I think they still wanna make an impact both on the micro, meso and macro level. It's really more like, where can I make these changes? So we've seen a huge growth in DEI types, types of opportunities. More and more organizations are thinking about their place in the community and in what ways are they investing or not investing? <laughs> in mm -hmm. what ways are they supporting the in doing their work and I think this is an amazing opportunity for our students to think about where how can they bring that training and and like very just again human centric mentality into these spaces where you know I, I I would say that in general people are really now thinking about do I want to continue working here like am I being treated in a way that I think you know is is valuing me like these are important questions that people are asking now and I think there's still that you know uh, my job is a means to an end, which there's nothing wrong with that. Um, but I think there's also a lot of folks starting to think more about culture and environment and teams because after all this happened, they're like, wait, this isn't that serious for me. Maybe yeah. it's not the place for me, or maybe, you know, I'd rather be at a place that really does value X, Y, and Z. Um, and so 
because of these conversations happening, I think in, in many ways, our students are also thinking about, okay, so based on the training that we're receiving and, and how we're able to problem solve and really help meet certain needs and plan programs and initiatives that are uh, achieving whatever the, the goals are, you know, how can we do that in these other sectors and these different spaces? So I think, I think there's generally been a growing interest in these other spaces. There's still an interest in doing a direct, uh, direct impact work, but I think, I think there's also just a growing interest in how can we do this on a larger scale? Mm, mm. So you're saying more uh, folks really doing some introspect thinking and saying, okay, let me line this up with my core values, what I thought this organization offered and aligned with me uh, from a human perspective, it, it's no longer valid. Uh, so, th wow. So this, this is opening some eyes to folks. And so there'll be some, and I think I seen a post where you'll see, I can't recall the exact data, but it says something around 50 or 51% uh, folks will be, it might not be as high, but uh, they were saying that most professionals post pandemic will be looking to make a transition in their career. I think they're realizing like, wait, Mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't know about this. <laughs> no, and this opportunity almost gave me this chance to really reflect on like, I've been just going through the motions. Mm -hmm. and I spend so much time at work. Is this how I want to spend time at work? Or I want to spend more time with my family or I want to spend right. more time doing things I care about. And so I think that conversation about values, you know, regardless of whether you're a social worker or not, that has become more prominent um, everyone's minds. Um, because at the end of the day, it's all about what matters to them. Right. right. Um, and obviously, again, a job is being a means to an end is still as important. Uh, I think there's just more factors where that person, not just the professional aspect, but the person is coming into play when we think about what path we want to pursue. Now, are you having much conversations with employers now as well? And are they seeing that change? And they're, are they adapting to that change and bringing the more human factors uh, you know, inside their culture? That's a great question. When we speak with employers and, you know, when it's, it's always an interesting challenge, right? You know, students are, students and alums are trying to find jobs. Employers are trying to find people. And there's always like being mismatched. <laughs> like, why aren't they information <laughs> sessions or why aren't they applying or why aren't they doing this? And so this is where we can play a huge part. And we actually emphasize a lot. Like, this is what they want to hear about. They want to know how they, how your organization treated your employees through this pandemic. That's what they want to know about. Wow. They want to know, like, are there mentorship programs or what are you doing for, like, the black community? You know, are there resource groups? What kind of supports are available through throughout this crisis? Um, they want to know how they're being treated. And I and, and what we try to share uh, with employers is, like, you know, people also want to hear about experiences. Like, we want to hear about the employee stories. Like, that's great that you offer those benefits and that's what the job entails. You can read that anywhere. What they really want to hear is what are the actual experiences of the people who are there? Why do they stay there? Why do they? Why do they? Why do they even pursue the job there? That's what they want to know, and they want to connect. They want to connect with people. They want to hear from people. They want to um, get a real, genuine sense of what it's like to work there. Because obviously, you know, when you're an employer, you're marketing your organization. We're great, <laughs> great opportunities to do X, Y, and Z. Um, but we're still finding that like, oh, but, you know, we appreciate that you're doing great work. You know, can you share a little bit more about how you support your your employees uh, development, their growth and their advancement? You know, that's always a question in candidates minds. Like, do people progress there? What does that look like? Who gets chosen to be in these leadership? Who's in leadership? 
right? Do they look like me? Like these are really, really important questions. And if, if those are not being, um, if that information is not being shared with candidates, like they're not necessarily enticed because again, you could just read about the organization and how wonderful they are on their website, mm -hmm. but they want to hear from the people. Not hear from the people. What has it been like? What's its challenge? And they don't expect perfection. Like every every organization is a work in progress, just like we are as people always kind of work in progress. Right. You know, if you didn't have an initiative uh, to um, promote more equity inclusion in your organization, well, what are you doing about it, though? Like everyone Oof. has a wonderful statement, but what's Oof, that's a tough question. <laughs> a tough question. And I think it's not about like we have all these amazing things. It's more like yeah, we recognize that there's things that we need to do. These are some of the things that we're starting out with. I mean, I personally rather see someone doing it more thoughtfully than just like saying all these talking points, right? right. The reality is change takes time. And I think um, I mean, when we think about organizational change and development, that takes time. It's not supposed to like happen in two days. So you would expect that it's it's uh, it takes time. But I think a lot of it is, are they aware of how they're coming across or are they aware of the fact that they don't have people of color in leadership? like? Are they aware of those things? And if they're not aware, well, that's one concern. If they are aware, what are they doing about it? And these are the critical questions that our students are asking, but I don't think it's just our students. I think people are asking in general, right? Like yeah. we again have very limited time in our lifetime. We wanna be able to, you know, to the extent possible, you know, I think even like finding a job that you love is, is a privilege in itself. But if you can find that, we wanna be amongst people that we care about. We wanna work with people we can have fun with. And so all those like people factors, are, I think even more prominent these days. It's interesting because what I'm hearing you say is as employers look at employees and there's a level of expectation of whether it be, you know, verbal, written, technical aptitude that we should have. It's to an employer, it's like, you should have that, right? That's the basics. Employees are now saying to employers, benefits, yes, program that, it's kind of the basics. Um, what's next beyond that? What social programs? How are you impacting the people? What change? What diversity? What real programs are you changing the actual culture and face of your organization, right? So that's interesting. So where employers need to really take a deeper dive and not necessarily lead with the, the fundamental benefits of the organization because that's a norm right now, right? Yes, you got 401k, yes, you got this, you got that, blah, blah, blah. I can go get that at McDonald's. So what else, what, what bigger things are you bringing to the table um, um, as an employer and how are you socially impacting what's going on or you know, what other things are you bringing uh, that's impacting just a certain level of movement that's happening in our climate. So that's, that's really interesting where I, I would say empl employees should have more confidence now going into certain interviews because it is a give and take, right? Um, and that should truly turn into a conversation, not an interrogation where the perceived power is coming from the employer. Uh, and so a lot has changed where it's putting the employee, um, the employer kind of on their game and on their toes. To like, I need to sell you on why you should come here, right? Because I need the people. Yeah. <laughs> Here's why. Let's let's talk call values, right? Let's let's talk what lines up. So um, what are you hearing from? Aside from just job prospects, what are what are students fear right now? Uh, aside from that, uh, that you're hearing, like you talked earlier about the the mental state, are you seeing that being a struggle where students are not as focused anymore because they they think their their future is bleak? What does that look like? 
Um, I, I think there's a little more optimism when it comes to job search. Um, I think a lot of the concerns might be just like the traditional concerns of someone coming out of a program, like, is this the right job for me? There's a lot of pressure to find that like amazing first job out of school. And you know, the reality is there's like stepping stones. Um, so that's not necessarily unusual, um, but I, I think that's always something that's on you know, new graduates' mind. Like, am I making the right decision? And uh, for us career educators, one thing that we always like to kind of emphasize is, it's not about being perfect, but it's, it's, like a, it's a journey, you know? Is that something that you would enjoy doing? Like, you still want to be able to enjoy that. So if you feel like you're gonna wanna leave in three months, then that's probably not a good fit, even though it may have looked you know, great uh, at the outset, or just because someone else thought that was an amazing opportunity doesn't mean that's amazing for you. Um, so I think those struggles are, are kind of the same. I mean, at this point, I, I think um, the the one thing that may be a little different from from the usual, maybe, you know, is this job in person? <laughs> uh, what safety protocols are in place? Um, I think a huge thing nowadays is flexibility. Mm. And like we've gotten so used to this like you know some people have really enjoyed working from home some may have not but there has been a level of flexibility people may have had more family time than, than you did before and so like we don't want that taken away <laughs> so I think some of it is also like how flexible are you in, in that particular I don't think it's a make or break or anything like that I think it depends on what's important to that individual if the nature of the work is such that it's still something that they want to do and that they feel will be impactful, I think it's fine. But I think, you know, safety, um, just general treatment of how things are, I think we're kind of tired of the uncertainty and lack of structure. So to what extent um, may, may um, will the organizations like support that? Like what would onboarding look like? Mm -hmm. It's very different starting out and not being able to meet people in person. You know, I think you would have to be very proactive in, in connecting with colleagues because, you know, that's the one thing that's probably the most significant part of joining an organization, like meeting the team, getting a sense of the vibe of that team. What is that like? But, you know, when we're still kind of in this, we're not sure what we're going to look like. I think that's unsettling because we want to start out with a bang. We want to feel like, mm -hmm. okay, you know, we at least have the foundational knowledge and tools to like thrive here, but everything's like maybe in piecemeal now. Um, so I, I think it's, I, I think it's, a uh, it's the anxiety of like preparing for that kind of adventure of like not knowing. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I have a question that came up, uh, from one of the viewers and let's see if uh, I'll throw this at you, uh, from Sanjay. She said, how can students with liberal human, uh, human research, human services degrees leverage their skills in a more specialized workforce? I love that because I think anyone who has kind of a liberal arts background or kind of a human service kind of background, you know, in what job are you not dealing with people and problems? <laughs> Ultimately, that's what those degrees are helping you with. You're taught to think critically. You're taught to figure out how to identify a problem and then to think about how to solve that problem. Um, and if you have that kind of training, you could really bring it anywhere. So, I mean, I'm kind of curious about what specialized uh, type of work one's looking for. I mean, there are a lot of like free uh, free webinars and free like professional development tools that are out there. So I'm just gonna throw one out there. I know data analysis is like just a huge skill to have. There's a lot of uh, websites. I know um, 
I think at one point LinkedIn was actually sharing some free uh, data analysis type um, um, learning tools, but edX, Coursera, there's a lot of free tools. So I would say it depends on what that specific skill is. If it's something that's not kind of on that like problem solving, you know, on that kind of uh, um, that metal level, then I would say, well, what are those skills and are there like free tools out there that I can practice that skill? Can I make a project out of something so I can, you know, use that skill and say I've done this thing before? So I think it really depends on the direction that you want to go into. I always say, you know, work backwards, like look at what's expected for that role and the job description. Talk to people doing those roles. What are the most important skills in those particular positions? How did you, uh, you know, build those skills? And, you know, I think one thing that's going to be really interesting is a lot of people just kind of figured it out as they went along. Um, when I came into career services, it's really funny because um, I mentioned I was interested in art. So prior to going to grad school, I actually did um, an art program like in graphic design. And what I came away with was, I'm not good at this, but <laughs> I don't have quite the technical skills, but I love the whole concept of graphic design and communicating mm -hmm. images and just being really concise in your messaging, even in like pictures or like even in copy, like it could be so powerful. So like those communication skills are really powerful. And not, I, I'm not saying that that trained me, oh, I guess in some ways it trained me, but you'd be surprised when you look back in your background, like, you know what? Like that kind of helped me with this other thing. So now, you know, my colleague and I joke around about like, we're pretty much like communication slash marketing specialists. We're just trying to convince people <laughs> to do certain things or think about things or to do things in general, you know, whether it's attend our events or like listen to what we're saying or whatever. Um, and we had to be good at it. We, we kind of figured it out as we go, went, went along. Um, in my last job, you know, I had launched um, basically the, uh, the e-news marketing platform and it was fun for me. I'm like, I don't know anything about um, constant contact, uh, but mm -hmm. let me figure it out. Uh, and then even in this role, we use MailChimp uh, and they're similar but different. And it was just kind of learning. Like I found the learning process to be fun actually. Um, and that's just the reality. Like no one said, hey, get this training before. Like I just had to figure it out. And I think that's mm -hmm. the reality of a lot of jobs. And so there are some things that I think you need specific training for, other things you may be able to learn on your own, see if you can find different ways you may be able to get the free training or, you, you know, there may be some situations which you may have to pay for a particular credential and you have to ask yourself whether that's worth it for you at this time. That's true, that makes sense. So I, I wanted to throw this comment up there because uh, it was pretty interesting. Uh, prospective employers are understanding that they are joining uh, an employer, employer organization, or employees are understanding that they are joining an employer organization and want to, the culture and values to reflect themselves and be aligned to generate higher level of engagement and performance and impact, the win-win uh, for employers. And that's to my earlier question, um, and I wonder if enough employers are thinking that way or they're still, because um, I believe you said something earlier, like at the lower level of, of skill set, um, at least in certain states, it's a struggle to get people back to work, right? Um, especially at that hourly rate, and they're making more on employment and all those things. But uh, and I still wonder what are employer employers doing in understanding that and to, in, in trying to think outside the box to to bring those folks back, whether it be through you know uh, remote work or on site, because not every employer will remain remote, right? So I think employees too, and job seekers need to come to that reality. Like, though we had this great 
uh, 18 month plus, you know, kind of time to work at home and it shifted a lot of thought process. I don't think it would be the norm across the, the largest scale um, because there are employees that are just tied. To, let's, let's be practical. Employees are tied to leases and <laughs> that they still have to pay rent on uh, and want to worry about productivity from you working remote and things like that. So uh, just just a thought that, that uh, spawned from that comment there. So I love that comment. Yeah. And I think that's the <clears throat> piece. It's not just about you know, employers creating these environments for employees to thrive, but it's, it's a win-win. The whole point is you want people who want to be there. Um, and so if you create an environment where they're valued and they're, are, they are able, because I think for the most part, people want to contribute. They want to contribute meaningfully. Mm -hmm. They want to know that what they're doing matters and they're just not a cog in the wheel, but that their achievements actually have some kind of impact. I think majority do want that. Um, and so if we create such an environment where, you know, there is an alignment and they are supporting those who are wanting to do more and wanting to contribute. And so you support them by providing these professional development opportunities. It would be a win win. And, you know, those are all like the report. I, I like I love reading like workforce reports and I'm particularly obsessed with the McKinsey ones. Um, mm. but I, I just love seeing like in terms of best practices that are recommended, like considering that like that's actually an engagement tool you know, to, to have an environment that's valuing them because, and, and you want to obviously recruit for that as well, where your mission and, and their values are kind of like aligned. So thank you for whoever shared that um, comment. I think, I, I think that's very true. It, it is, it, it should be a win-win if, if done well. Right. And, and this might be a, a similar comment I made earlier, but do you see employers forcing, uh, being forced out to add a social component to their to their model now, their business model to be competitive. If not, it, both from a genuine standpoint, but to really like, okay, we haven't been in the game uh, as we should as an employer. We can do more than just sell this widget or sell this, this, um, this service. Um, we need to really start thinking about social impact um, as an organization to one, make ourselves better, um, change our culture and attract those top talent. Are you seeing employees talk about that at all? I mean, the the amazing thing about the space I work in, I think that's, you know, social justice and change has always kind of been the general goal of these organizations. Mm -hmm. um, I think the struggle is with, if you're in a situation, if you're in an organization that with limited resources, there's only so much you can do, right. um, you know, and, and that might end up being a lower salary and maybe they try to make it up with like, um, you know, credit for professional development, or maybe they have in-house training or something like that. Um, but, you know, at least with our organizations, and, you know, I think, again, like like I mentioned before, a lot of them are like working progress. Like, it's just one of those things that you have to continue to involve and you have to continue to be, um, to be on the pulse with things, like what's happening in the community. I think you really have to like be aware of that because I think people, uh, like I mentioned before, it's not just about like me at work. It's me as a whole person and what I care about at work. So, and, uh, and one thing I've really appreciated like over the last 10 years, even like more and more people are caring about each other. I mean, that's not to say mm -hmm. we care about each other before. I think we were just like focused on the, let's get the work done and then, you know, maybe do right. everything. I think people really do, um, care about community and people and, you know, social justice issues. And so in any way that they can kind of exercise that within the workplace and not to say that the workplace is the place to do it, but you know, if, if companies are doing well, is there a reason why you wouldn't want to do things right. for the community? Right. And <laughs> because your work becomes a community. 
Yeah, and for an organization that you admire because, you know, even if it's just a little bit like they're doing something, they're doing something that matters. Um, and I think that's a general energy I felt like I used to work with a lot of corporate volunteers when I ran a youth mentoring program and they were in the mentoring program because they were in the corporate space and, you know, they may or may not have liked it, but they loved being able to mentor young people. It was such great energy. And, you know, they looked forward to the mentoring session every week. And that was so exciting because, you know, I had such kind of like a biased way of thinking about the world, like, oh, you know, only certain people will care about the world. And that's not true. Like a lot of people care about a lot of things. And so I think um, working at an organization that they feel proud of is, is a thing. And I think uh, you, you made a great point because it like the culture is so important to the organization because it is the community. We say community a lot, but we're thinking home life, neighborhood, um, outside of the nine to five hustle is a community. No, the, the culture of work in that space, that is a community. You will talk about the same things you do with your friends, with you know uh, colleagues in there because you spend so much time uh, of your day, eight to 10 hours a day in the space. So it needs to feel like a community and not just where you're you're, you're robotic and going in and doing what your your job description says and going home. That there's so much connectivity with humans and, and just your life is poured out in in your job that it needs to feel like a community. And so the, those things need to be implemented. And employers need to kind of I think look at that too. And just just bring more of the human factor like we were talking about earlier and understand like hey this this just can't be where we push out widgets and services. Right. Let's how do we make that to where people, like you said, truly want to come here, want to stay here, want to grow here, want to develop here, um, and, and ultimately, um, you know, just impact lives um, on a day-to-day -day basis. So <clears throat> one of my last questions, uh, unless you have a comment, yep. is what what are those, and we touched on it a little bit earlier, but what are, what are your conversations with students now around their expectations? Um, uh, are they a little nervous? And it sound, the question sounds a little bit repetitive, but I want to know from what are you saying and how, how are your, how are you and your team having those conversations and still saying, hey, there's light at the end of the tunnel, but are you, are there pivot ideas that are coming to you to say, okay, let's look at this way. The traditional way is no longer working. Um, um, let's challenge your thought process. Let's challenge your plan. This way you can still, you know, land on your feet. Yeah, I mean, I, I think we've seen like the whole the whole range of reactions. Some are just looking for encouragement, like, am I on the right track? Um, some might be like, I don't know where to begin. I I just don't. And I, I completely understand it. You know, when when our minds are stressed, when we're just in a you know very physically and mentally stressed situation, like you're just thinking about getting by. So the last thing you're thinking about is like strategic job search or networking like that's not exciting when you're tired and you're just like literally getting by right so mm -hmm. I think it really depends on where you are and when you know with those students who are struggling like what we you know we can always do more outreach but it's really just making sure like hey there are tools here's a structure here's a process so in some situations we may be more prescriptive than we prefer to be like one, two, three, because you know we're not the ones to tell you what to do. It's ultimately up to you to decide what path that you want to take. But I think it's really important for us educators to scaffold the process because when people are stressed, they need structure. And so that's probably one thing that we've you know we've done a little bit more of this year, just providing the structures. Like okay, so 
where are we? So if someone comes to us and says, like, I just, I don't, I don't, I haven't done anything. I don't know what to do. We'll just like, where are you now? We'll just try to get a sense of where they are now. Like, and, and you know, you know, what's funny. A lot of times when we meet with students, they've actually done more work than they realized. It's oh, like, really? oh, I, I spoke to this professor, but you know, like I, that, but that's the only thing I've done. And I, you know, I, I did this other thing. I was researching. So I'm like, oh, so you, you did X, Y, and Z. You're doing it. Maybe you want to up your pace a little bit, or maybe you want to change your strategy. If you are, you know, just sending out a hundred resumes without connecting with people, that's, that's a challenge. You know, do you really want to expend your energy on something that's giving you little return? And so we would talk about like, what are ways that we can do that? You know, networking is almost inherently always part of a conversation. What are we doing to connect with people? Because people hire people, not like a piece of paper, right? Pieces of paper don't impress people. I mean, they can, but ultimately you want to build that connection. So what are ways in which we're doing that? And that was also kind of the premise of the mentoring initiative where, you know, normally we might be like, oh, you know, you know, have you networked before? You know, what are your strategies? You know, what worked, what didn't? You know, how about we think about it in these ways? And so they might experiment. You know, with our initiative, we already have the alum saying we're happy to talk to them. Mm -hmm. So it's scaffolded in a way that, like, it's really just no stress. You know, we do still want you to prepare, um, but here are like initial steps that you can take. And the thing that was pretty awesome, and and when we're hearing feedback about the program, is like, oh, networking isn't hard. Like, oh, no, you're just talking to people. Like, that's exactly what I said. Like, Guess what? Your social workers, you're curious about people. Use your natural curiosity. Lead with your curiosity. There was something about some individual that you admired that you want to learn more about. Just go with that. Just have a conversation. It doesn't have to be this, like, weird ping pong, like, I have a question, you answer. Like, we don't want that. We don't want that in any real circumstance. We just want to connect. So if that's the goal, guess what? Social workers, you meet strangers all the time. You meet strangers and not only do you meet them, you you hear their personal stories and then you're working with them and you get that trust. I'm like, if you can do that, you can network with anybody. So sometimes it's just letting people know, you know, you already have the skills. Like I always <laughs> like to say people who are in human service or social work or anything related to that, you're probably best equipped to network in job search because right. what are you good at? You're good at assessing people's needs. I'm like, just frame that as you're, you're really good at understanding organizational needs. You know how to solve that problem. You're you're the problem solver. The service that you provide is answering their question. This is how you want to think about it. And it's like, oh. So when we just remind them, half of it is just reminding them that they already have the skills and then reminding them they have already put some things into place. And you know, like give yourself a pat on the back for like, you know, doing those, you know different aspects of the job search. And I think the job search is especially challenging because it's so multi-stepped. It's easy to get discouraged because if you don't land that job, that feels like you fail. But really, all the things that you did in between, whether it's updating your marketing materials, your network or whatever, all those mm. things count and they may not have landed in the job. But the reality is the chance of getting rejected is always more so than getting chosen. So even if you got an interview, that's a win. Take that as a win. Take the mini wins and give yourself a pat on the back. And if something's not working, then you, you have to change that strategy. But you're doing it. And so that's what we were doing most of the time. Like you're already doing it. Like what's not working? Well, let's look at what's not working. What can we do differently? What are we not doing? Are you leveraging the resources available? And so sometimes we might just share information like, did you know you have these tools? Or did you know like there's these other things that um, you may not have considered that you know we can explore? And so a lot of just sharing that because they have the capability. That's never the mm -hmm. issue.
it's really just um, encouraging them and then reminding them of what they are capable of. Um, talking like very explicitly about transferable skills. I don't think we do that enough growing up, right? Like we don't always talk about right. different skill sets that we gain across, you know, our experiences are transferable, but a lot of them are. And if you're used to dealing with people, I mean, every job involves people to some extent. So you're always going to have something to offer. I love it. <laughs> Absolutely love it. And I love the way you, um, you were able to talk about the transferable skills that they have with communication and networking, like breaking their ice, like, when you really think about it, folks in that space have the core skill set to master it right off the back. Right, they can go on and can come, walk, go into a room, talk to ten people, and have a full breakdown of their life stories just because they're so inquisitive and knew how to dig in and uncover questions. Like phenomenal! Like if, you need your own show talking about. <laughs> and I'll you on board. <laughs> <laughs> All right. we'll, we'll work towards that. Uh, I'll, I'll be your producer in the back. I love it. <laughs> well, we're, we're definitely coming up on time, uh, and I want to be mindful uh, of your time as well. And I appreciate you so much, Timomi, for uh, our initial conversation. Um, this conversation, it was even more enlightening um, that I've, I've just learned so much to uh, and how you think and how I, I don't, I, I think you, you thinking forward you're definitely a forward thinker when it comes to career uh you know career, career and developing uh students for tomorrow so um i definitely appreciate you and commend you in the work that you're doing um any any last words you want to uh depart uh for our viewers that they can uh, think about because something you know, there's, there's parents out here we have we have students in college i myself have a daughter in college and one about to go to college this year uh, so in, in being in career development I know I can now ask some more uh, in-depth questions of their career services department. <laughs> We're like, well, no, no, that's not what Timothy said. <laughs> let's let's rethink this. How are you helping my kids? <laughs> Any last parting words? Yeah, um, I have a couple things in mind. Of course, I'm in career services, so take full advantage of career services. You know. I, I was actually on a webinar earlier. It was like affinity group and just amazing, amazing individuals, truly passionate about student success. Like we're here to help you. So don't wait until the end. You know, we're not scary. I think once people get to know me, they're like, oh, it's Tomomi. <laughs> no biggie. Um, work with us early, you know, like, you know, whether you're a freshman in college or like you just started out your master's program, like take full advantage. Um, you're paying for it. If nothing else, you're paying for it. Take full advantage of the office, see what they have to offer, but also don't limit yourself to like what you visibly see as offerings. Every opportunity, like there's so many opportunities. There's like events on campus, you know, you have to be proactive about fi finding this information too. Figure out things that you can also do on your own time. Think people aren't always going to share this stuff with you. And even if you are, you're probably just overwhelmed with all kinds of email. <laughs> so, you know, know what you want, know what you want to learn, and then seek it out. There are people to support you, especially in, in, you know, in this environment. But even, you know, for those who are, you know, off in their, um, you know, in, in their, whatever their new jobs are, build communities amongst them. You can still learn from each other. Um, I think the biggest thing for me has always been, and one thing that has helped kind of sustain me over the year is I have amazing colleagues. They're just the best. They're work friends, they're real friends. Like we could talk about everything. We're there to support each other. And I think support is really paramount, especially if you are going through a career transition or you're looking for a job. 
you need someone to vent to like maybe you have different kinds of people that you talk to one to vent to one to strategize with one to cheer you on like whatever that is find that there's a lot of people who are willing to help and and also don't be afraid to like reach out to strangers like i i would have totally felt comfortable reach out, reaching out to you orlando i just forgot <laughs> <laughs> all the amazing people out there. I'm just so glad it kind of worked itself out anyway. But Absolutely. I can't I can't even count the number of people I've kind of reached out to over the past year. I'm like, oh, you were amazing at that webinar. I would love to stay connected. And now I see all their feeds. I'm like, this is so fantastic. Everyone's sharing a lot of great information. So definitely stay connected, especially if you're feeling kind of alone in this process. You know, it, it's it's challenging. And if if you need to get help, just get help. Get help, get yourself together, get yourself to a place where you can actually focus on things like career development job search because, you know, when we think about learning or progressing, you can't do that unless like you're, you know, you're eating, you're, you're, you, you have a home, like you have to have those things stable. And so that goes with your emotional health. The emotional health is physical health. Take care of yourself first and foremost but then definitely connect. And it's those connections that will lead you to job referrals. It will also uh, be opportunities for you to learn about different careers or get great advice. Um, I think, I forgot how many things I've already said, but all those different things. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, not one parting advice. I always have like 10 things. I, I love it. Say. I love it. Just, just keep dropping them. Just keep dropping them. I love it. So um, as, as I uh, exit, and, and say goodbye. Stand by. I'm gonna just put you into the into the background studio. Uh, but thank you again so 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 much. And folks, if you have questions and you're watching the replay, please tag Tamomi uh, in your questions, and I'm sure she'll be happy to answer them. Uh, she is a wealth of knowledge. And trust me, your conversation can go three hours, and it'll be insightful every single minute. So I appreciate you again, Tamomi. Uh, and folks, we look forward to seeing you next week. Thank you. Thank you all for listening. Music.